Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Thank you, worship team. It's always good to, to be led by people who are fully engaged and have given their lives and sacrificed for what they do for us, so I'm always grateful for that. A few months ago, uh, Pastor Chris gave a teaching on overcoming fear. It was earlier than the spring. And so afterward, I came down and was talking to him, and just tongue-in-cheek, I said, hey, I was waiting to see how you were going to weave in the fear of the Lord with that. And he just smiled, and he said, that's your job. <laughs> and I thought, challenge accepted. So here we are. The title of what I'm going to speak to you about is Fear Versus Afraid. Hopefully by the time I land the plane, you'll be able to see the difference. But the subtitle would be, What is the Fear of the Lord? Some of you, it's kind of almost ancient history now, February 8th, long time ago when God moved at Asbury. Doesn't it seem like forever ago? And one of the things that always comes with a move of God is a fresh awareness of the fear of the Lord. Connie and I were talking about some of this this week, and it's very difficult to explain it. It's easier to experience it then you know. It's hard to sort between the word fear and afraid. But that's what I'm going to attempt to do. And we're going to look at several scriptures. So some of you that are note takers, you may have to watch the video and go back. And I'm going to run through some of these things and make comments along the way. And I want you to get a feel for this. Because right now, at the stage that we're at in this country, A lot of the craziness is coming because we've lost the fear of the Lord, just the fear of God. And I can't make you fear God. If I think I can, I will turn you into a legalist and someone who has lost touch with the Spirit of God. You have to experience it on your own. Before I do this, let me pray. Lord, this is a big subject. It has so many ramifications to it. We need you. We need you to instruct us. We need you to teach us. We need you to give each person and each home an encounter with the fear of the Lord. And so, Lord, that's what we're asking, that you would manifest yourself in this room right now, that you would instruct us, that you would bless us with your presence. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. I feel the gravity of this phrase. I feel the weight of it. And I'm asking that the Spirit of God will give you that experience if he has not already. Those of you who who know anything about me, I'm full of joy and I like to get up here and I like to be full of energy, but there's this gravity that comes with this. It, it, It makes me feel like I'm standing in front of my father and I'm eight years old. And he's got something to say to me. Listen to me. That's the gravity of this. 
I want to look quickly at four scriptures, and we're going to start with Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. Those of you who are Bible students and want to grow and you want, you're doing all that you can to promote and provoke more spiritual growth in yourself, your family, your friends, maybe you lead a group. The beginning is the fear of the Lord. This is, this is why it's so important that we get a hold of this in a healthy way. We need God to show us what this exactly means. The word knowledge means to know by seeing. It doesn't, it doesn't mean just gathering data. This is a deep knowing. It's the beginning of this knowledge. Fools despise wisdom. Wisdom means to be skillful. It's, once I've gathered this knowledge, what do I do with it? How do I live? How do I, how do I, I plan? It begins with the fear of the Lord. Then, then I, my knowledge will increase because I'll see him. I'm listening. He has my attention. And then I know how I'm to work this out. Instruction. This word instruction here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. It means chastisement, reproof, warning, restraint, discipline. It isn't just giving direction. A fool says, nobody's going to tell me what to do. That's a fool. A child of God that has gotten themselves in right standing with their father welcomes instruction. Largely because we've had a revelation of who he really is. We have touched the heart of God through the blood of Jesus. So that fear drives us to know, to do, and if necessary, to be corrected. We welcome it. Some of you who have been athletes, you understand that. Do you want to play? Nobody joins a team just to be in practice. We want to get on the field. Do what you're told, and you increase your chances. Second verse, Proverbs 9, 10, and 11. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding, the word understanding, to mentally separate, sort through, figure this out. For by me, and wisdom is speaking here, for by me, your days will be multiplied and years of life will be added. But I thought all my days were marked out. Apparently not. Apparently you can add to your life when you fall in line through the fear of the Lord and listen. Job 28, 28. And to man God said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. So the fear of the Lord leads us how to depart from, under, from evil. How do we depart? The fear of the Lord is a motivator to move away from evil. If you are the captain of your own ship, then you'll do what you want and you'll decide what's best for you. The fear of the Lord enables you to choose rightly because we're short-sighted. And then in the New Testament, Matthew 10, 28, do not fear those who kill the body. This is a heavy statement. I'm not going to pretend like I can understand all of this one. He's talking to the disciples. He's talking to the disciples whom he has sent out and they're getting persecuted. They're getting resistance. Don't fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. They were wrestling with the fear of man. 
can't tell you how many times I've wrestled with the fear of man and not feared the Lord and not done what I was asked to do. The feeling of failing, that's an instructor. I'm so glad 1 John 1.9 is in the Bible. If you need forgiveness and you need cleansing, the word, it says confess and he's faithful and just and he will forgive and cleanse. The Greek word for confess means say the same thing. All you have to do is agree that it was sin, forgiven, washed. And then we get a do-over. But the fear of the Lord can motivate me. What is the fear of the Lord? So I'm going to start. I want to talk about the difference between fear and being afraid. And I'll admit to you, this is very subjective. When you start talking about things of the spirit and things in the kingdom, sometimes it's, it's a little difficult to put it into words. That's why I told you it's much more clear to me if I experience the fear of the Lord than it is to try to determine exactly what it is. Because it's an issue of the heart. It can't be seen. It's a reaction. Does that make sense to you? It's so individual. There's so many different things that are happening in our soul. So to get help, I went to my buddy Google. And uh, it's very difficult when you look at the definitions of fear and afraid. There's a lot of overlap, but there is some nuances that are a little different. So when it comes to talking about being afraid of the Lord, an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat to my well-being. So being afraid of the Lord is seeing him as a threat. That's what I want you to see. It seems he's dangerous. I have to stay back from him. I can't trust him. Being afraid of the Lord is when I experience his holiness, might, power, and authority, and I have not encountered his love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness. So I I encounter this one side of him that is immense and powerful. You look at the stories in the Old Testament, there were armies of hundreds of thousands of people that just died. That's who lives inside of you if you're born again. That's the power that you have access to. That's the one that protects you. That's why I'm to fear him. Let me give you two categories of people, the righteous and the unrighteous. You can see this through the scripture. I want to give you two reasons the righteous may be afraid of the Lord. But first, let's just talk, who is righteous? First of all, the righteous are not perfect. They haven't reached perfection. The righteous means they are in right standing with God himself. When Adam sinned, his unrighteous act passed upon all of us, and that's what you're born into. You're born into the life of being unrighteous, and you are separated from God. And there is nothing you can do to work your way back into that relationship. Lost forever. That's why the Father sent his Son to live among us as a man, to live perfectly, righteously, in order that he could be the perfect sacrifice for sin. You and I, if we do not believe in Jesus, we will die in our sin. That's a hard word. The Father knows that. He's righteous, he's just. He is the author of true justice, real justice. And so he sent his son to shed his blood. Blood of perfection will pay the price for sin. And he did it. And he was buried. And he rose again. And if we turn to him by faith and believe, that was my death, 
that was my blood, that was my burial, and that was my resurrection. By faith, that righteousness that he carried is transferred to me. What a deal. What a deal. If you've never understood that, you think, it's that simple? It is, but it's a matter of the heart. So once I've done that, I am called righteous before God. Does that mean my behavior is righteous? No. My position is as a righteous person, but my practice has to catch up. It's like being declared an American citizen, but you don't act like a citizen. Once you see your position and you understand who you are in Christ and you focus on that and you believe that, your practice will catch up. But you have to see yourself as worthy of his righteousness. And the blood has washed us. So if you are that righteous person, you are a believer and you are born again, there are two reasons why you may still be afraid of God. One is, as a righteous child of God, you have received the spirit of adoption. That, that goes, that's not one of the reasons that you would, would be afraid. That you are given the spirit of adoption, so you are now in the family. You are in the family, and he is now not your righteous judge. He is your papa. You have been given the spirit, so you are in, you have been brought into. He is no longer a distant God. He is close. You have access to him. Because of the blood of Jesus, you can get right in and talk to him. First reason you may be still afraid, even though you have access to him. If you had a harsh male authority figure in childhood, this may be how you view God the Father. If you're born again, you have a new loving Heavenly Father. He can heal the wounds of your heart. He can be trusted. But because of your early life experience, you're still, you're transferring that experience to Father God. It's difficult for you. It's going to be, it's going to take time for the Word of God and the Spirit of God to wash over you and to change and renew your mind and heal those wounds from the past. But it can happen. Connie and I spend so much time with people who are going through inner healing, dealing with the things of the past, things they've never talked to, to anyone. And when we start to talk to them about these things, it's, it's incredible. A couple of weeks ago, we were ministering to a woman who had just a rough beginning of life, close to my age. And God gave her revelation about how much God loves her. And she doesn't have to strive, and she doesn't have to work for that love anymore. And she filled our wastebasket with Kleenex. And it was righteous tears. It was tears of thanksgiving that were just built up in her, and she'd never heard this before, and revelation came to her. No more striving, no more earning. She just received. And the process began to undo these feelings toward a harsh father and to get to know her loving, gracious, heavenly father. Another reason... You may believe God is harsh and untrustworthy and a threat to your safety and well-being because that's how he was presented to you early in your life. A misguided parent or relative, some authority figure that, that was always threatening you, that God was looking at you over your shoulder. He sees you and he's going to judge you and he's angry and punishment or a church setting that, that was always always putting you in the middle of that. I want you to meet the real God. I want you to meet the one who sent his son because he had so much compassion and love for your plight. He put a plan in, in, in 
motion that took hundreds of years to fulfill. And Galatians 4.4 said, in the fullness of time, God sent his son for you to get you back to him. And then we have the unrighteous. The unrighteous are afraid, and there's a reason. They're separated from God. Let's look at Mark 11, verses 15 to 18. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. He would not allow. He would not allow. He would not allow. Why? He's defending the honor of his father. And he's not do. He didn't put that whip together for an individual. When it comes to an individual, he's approachable. He did it to a crowd. Like if you and I were to meet at a coffee shop, I don't talk like this. You don't have to be like... Dave's going to be really loud. I don't get real loud. We just talk. One-on-one, we just talk. But when you're trying to reach a group, you've got, I've got to get bigger. I've got, to, I've got to reach you guys back here. It's the same, it's the same way with Jesus. He does, he's not like this with an individual. This is a crowd of people who are dishonoring his father. Verse 17, then Jesus taught them, saying, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves? And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him. They were afraid of him. Who in the world does this? Who puts a whip together and runs hundreds of people out of an area? There is strength there. There is confidence. There's a no- he knows who he is. I got this love for men's ministry. And I want to see this strength in guys. I see it in guys. But sometimes you just need to be told, you can do this. You can do this. The unrighteous who are the sinners, tend to fear or disregard God because they have no relationship with Him. They're alienated from Him because of their sin. They need a Savior, and He's Jesus, who suffered and died for their sin. They don't know it. If you have unrighteous, lost, not born-again people in your life, you need to be filled with the Spirit so that the fruit of the Spirit is constantly working in you so that you are patient and understand their soul is alienated from the God who is love. And it's going to take the Spirit of God to do that in most of us. And that's why he's provided him. Listen to Romans 5, 8, and 9. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. If you are righteous, you have been delivered from wrath. The wrath of God was poured out on his son on that cross, and it will not be poured out on you if the blood has washed you and you're born again. You're free from that. Your heavenly father is not wrathful towards you. It was poured out. He's still a good father. But if somebody told you that he's angry and you're born again, we're in a different place. He is a father that doesn't neglect us. He's not a permissive father. He doesn't ignore our behavior. He'll deal with us. But those that are outside, the wrath of God is on them. And what I want you to see this morning is if I walk in the fear of the Lord and I'm washed in the blood and I'm full of the Spirit, I've got to get the message to them. Somehow, I've got to do what he wants me to do. I'm not going to run around like a chicken with my head cut off, as my mom used to say. 
I'm going to find out what is it that he has for me. Fill me with your spirit. I want to do that. So that I can get the message to the lost. Because it sure feels like there's a wrap-up going on. We're getting to the end of an age. And there's, there's stuff that's inside of us that we need to wrestle with. Lord, how, how do I get to them? What do you want me to do? We have to just start asking, what do you want me to do? What does it look like? Is it just one individual? I, uh, what is it? Do you want me to start a website and just put your stuff out there? Millions of others are doing it. Why not one more? Let's begin to ask God, how can we reach these people? Sometimes it gets real easy to just come in here and enjoy us. Spend time with us. Go out to dinner with us. Go to the park with us. Are you getting tired of that? It just starts with a question. Lord, I'm carrying something in me that is so good. What do you want me to do with it? What do you want me to do with it? All right, let's talk about the fear of the Lord. We're talking about being afraid. Afraid is you're not understanding who he is and you're in a bad place and the wrath of God is on you. Let me give you a little, a little definition of fear. Concerned that something undesirable will occur or be done. I want you to tie that in with the idea of fearing the Lord. Concerned that something undesirable will occur or be done. As a child of God, there are consequences when we sin. The wages of sin is death. Do we all agree? Romans 6.23. And the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But the wages of sin is death. Isaiah 59.2 says that your sin has separated. God is speaking. Your sin has separated me from you. Sin causes separation. If, If Connie and I fight, there is separation. There's There's not There's discord. If it's something that we've dug our heels in and we both think we're right, now, as children of God, we're going to go to the Holy Spirit. He's going to be our arbitrator. She right, me right, both wrong. You have to sort through this. And he has to speak. And then when he's clear, if one of us is at fault, we have to take responsibility for our behavior, talk about it, and resolve it. I know that she's going to forgive me. I have to talk about it. See, I'm already assuming it's my fault. (laughs) But this is the way it is. When distance comes between us and God, He didn't move. He's perfect. I've I've got to realize sin separates. So, when I feel distant from God... I am going to immediately, the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to get alone with him and I'm going to say, Lord, did I do something? Because I just want to know. If I have, I take responsibility and I confess, which is agree. You're right. Forgiven. Now, if it's a besetting sin, I need to know Why will this not go away? What is is going on? If you were raised in an atmosphere of shame and you've got a besetting sin, you'll do everything you can to not talk to God about it. we We just look away. The first step to living in the fear of the Lord is looking at him, receiving his forgiveness, and then talking, Lord, I need wisdom. I need a scheme. I need a plan. What in the world am I doing? I'm not condemned. The blood of Jesus has set me free. He's not disgusted with me. He knew I was having troubles long before he decided to live inside of me. 
He knew I was a project. All I have to do is agree, I'm a project. Let's talk. And then you begin to grow because you're not hiding. You're not looking away. You're not head down. Head up, child of God, washed in the blood, full of the Spirit. What do you have for me? He's got it all there. God the Father does not ignore disobedience. He's a good father. He's not a permissive father. Hebrews 12 says this, 5 and 6, You have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. The root word of the word, the Greek word translated chastening is to strike. Why am I yelling? I just get excited about this stuff. You may be uncomfortable with it, but God spanks. He's very creative. He doesn't abuse. He doesn't beat. He spanks. Why? He loves me. I just read this to you, and this comes from the book of Proverbs. Nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. It just gets worse. But he loves me. I got to get somewhere. This stuff that won't leave me is separating me from him and his purpose for me and his power and his anointing. And I don't want that. I want to live in the anointing and the power of God so that when I talk to you, something comes out that's him. That's what changes you. You want the same thing to happen when you go to your work. You walk into that workplace, Jesus just walked into the the door. You're carrying him. Before you get there, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with power. Fill me with wisdom. Fill me with discernment. Fill me with the fear of the Lord so I can depart evil today during the workplace. When I am tempted to cut a corner so I can make a deal, the fear of the Lord stops that. No, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because it may affect you. We don't do things alone. We're part of a body. If we don't respond to his discipline, he may give us over to that sin. The prodigal son chose to walk away from his father. The father didn't chase him. He waited for his son's return. The prodigal's choices eventually beat him up, and then he came to his senses, and the dad was waiting in the driveway. If there is someone in this room and you are rebelling in rebellion against your heavenly father, please come home. Come home. Come home. He can heal you. He can figure this out. He can save you from yourself. He can save you from the pain that you have incurred in your life because you walked away from the one who is safe and your provider and your protector and can fill you, fill you to overflowing with joy and love and peace and kindness and goodness because the people in your life need all that, and you do. And those are the emotions that produce dopamine, which is the fountain of youth. Because your body, soul, and spirit are not separated. It all works together. And what keeps you from walking away? The fear of the Lord. The prodigal didn't say, Dad, I'm thinking I'm getting the shaft here. I'm thinking of leaving. What do you think? He didn't say that. In his short-sighted way, he made up his own mind. He ignored the fear of the Lord, and he ended up eating with the pigs. Come home. Come home. You know, sometimes you just got to take responsibility for your stuff. So when I was a kid, I got lessons in that. I remember being about eight or nine years old, and somehow my mom caught wind that I had talked back to one of the neighbor ladies. So she said, David, is this true? Yes. And from our kitchen window, 
where she would stand at the sink, you could see that neighbor's house. She said, you go right now and you apologize to Mrs. Hoffman. And inside I'm thinking, no, no, I didn't say that. Because like the fear of the Lord, I had the fear of mom. (laughs) And that's where you learn it. And I had to, man, that was a long walk. It was one yard away, but it seemed like a mile. In some respects, and others are like, wow, I got here fast. I remember knocking on the door, and and I apologized. And I don't remember what I did, but I apologized, and it was very uncomfortable. The fear of the Lord keeps you clean. As I'm saying this, is God speaking to you about something you need to go back and fix? You need to go apologize. You need to take ownership for what you've done. Stop blaming everyone else. Start with yourself and ask God, what what do I have? Some time ago, I realized... You know, it's easy in marriage to be praying that the Lord will change your spouse. I declare in the name of Jesus. And uh, a couple years ago, I started thinking, you know, we, we do all this inner healing with people and we get into the nooks and cranny of their soul and help them to sort through stuff. And I started realizing, why does this bother me so much? Why is this stuff bothering me? And God began to speak to me. (laughs) Surprise. And the atmosphere in our marriage changed because I shifted from being a blamer to taking responsibility for my stuff. That's what the fear of the Lord does for you. You listen. Four quick scriptures. Who is this Lord we're supposed to, to fear? The first one, 1 John 4, 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You are supposed to fear love. That'd be pretty easy. The enemy wants to build a caricature of who God is so that you won't fear him. He will transfer a bad experience from the past and put that on God. And this is where we allow the Spirit of God to purge our belief system and renew our mind. Psalm 86.15, But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. That does not sound like a harsh God. And if you have been born again and the blood has let you into the family and you've got the spirit of adoption in you, that is your father. He is not abusive. That's your father. Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. I want that. I'm going to be that. That's the God that's in you. You have access to these character character traits. This This is what you have access to. Lord, fill me with that. That's when the transfer starts happening, when you ask for it. Then Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, Jesus speaking, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls, and my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I am gentle and lowly in heart. You know, as a kid growing up, uh, my father, 6'2", uh, strong, Korean War guy, um, and soft-spoken. And uh, I've got a sister five years older, Pam. I've got a brother, Tim, three years younger, and a, bro- a brother, Greg, 12 years younger. So Tim and I kind of came up during the same regime. And Dad would go to work early in the morning, and sometimes he'd call back and tell my mom, hey, tell the boys they got to mow the lawn today. So, um, so she would tell us, And, you know, I was thinking about this. 
Never once did I say, hey, mom, I appreciate that. But could you tell dad, I'm just not feeling it today. You know, I'm really not feeling it. I appreciate, you know, the thought. Check back tomorrow. No, if I did that, I would not be practicing the fear of my father. Fear of abuse? No way. My dad never yelled at me once, ever. And you're going, that's the problem right there. That's the problem. Never yelled at me. Never had to. He loved me, spent time with me. I respected him, and I would do whatever he asked. That's what happens when we get to know our Heavenly Father, who He really is. We just want to do more for Him. Got a couple final thoughts here. Being afraid of the Lord is when I experience His holiness, might, power, and authority in the absence of His love, grace, and mercy. I pray for you all that you have an encounter with the love of God. And if you have never had that, that you ask, James 4, 2, you don't have because you don't ask. So that you begin to ask, Lord, I want that. I want an experience. I want an encounter with your love. My encounter with the love of God wasn't one of those, you know, those hair-raising, charismatic, four feet off the floor, fly back over the rows. I didn't, that wasn't mine. All of a sudden, after I dealt with my unforgiveness that he pointed out and a spirit of bitterness was cast away from me, I was filled with the love of God. It's a submission to whatever he wants to do. A healthy fear of the Lord is when I'm living in the revelation of his love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness, and then experience his holiness, might, power, and authority. Then when I experience his mighty power, I bow in worship. I don't run away in fear. I just want to be with him. I felt that this morning during worship. I just want to be with him. You know, the story of Jesus in Mark 5 comes across in the boat, lands on the shore. The demoniac and the Gadarenes meets him at the shore. This is my tell. Jesus casts the demon out. It's legion. They go in the pigs. Pigs run off the cliff, which I don't get. And the people of the town who are scared to death of the demoniac now say, Jesus has more power than him. Please leave. We don't don't want you around here. Unrighteous viewpoint. Don't know him. Don't understand it. The demoniac, he does, and he says, I'm going to go with you. And Jesus goes, nope, you're not going with me. You just stay here and tell him what happened to you. That's going to change him. Maybe somebody needs to hear your story. Real simple. Your story, why you're different. I was working, I was working as a draftsman for 25 years in engineering companies, and I remember one day a coworker who was a lot older than me turned around and said, This is out of the blue. I noticed something about you. Can hardly wait to hear what it is. You don't talk about people. You know, you have that moment like, well, I kind of do, but you never heard me, but thank you. You know, I mean, we're not perfect, but... And I realized, fear the Lord. I don't want to do that. I don't know what God will have to do to straighten that out in me. Last passage I want you to look at. Proverbs 1, 28 to 33. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. This is wisdom speaking. They'll seek me diligently, but they'll not find me because they hated knowledge and didn't choose the fear of the Lord. They didn't choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despise my every, every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way. If I don't fear the Lord and line up with him, I'll eat the fruit of my own way. 
That makes me tremble. And be filled to the full with their own fancies. Does it say fancies? Yeah, well, the word means devices, schemes, or plans. You'll be filled with your own plans. You don't fear the Lord. You're in charge of your life. You start doing what you want, and you will reap what you've sown. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me, listen, will dwell safely and be secure without fear of evil. That's what I want. That's what I want. And I've been doing this for 43 years, and it's been a long path, and there's been a lot of ignoring the fear of the Lord. And I've had to pay for my own behavior. And I've gotten straightened around, and I've gotten rebuked, and I've, I've had some of the best rebukers sitting across the table from me in coffee shops. A man that was one of my mentors early on looked at me and said, you are a loose cannon. And he had, I'm not saying he was right exactly, but he was close. Men who would speak into my life. Last story, I'll I'll close with this. I want to tell you about my college football coach, Doug Kay. Now, when I played football, small college football at Olivet College, which this year became Olivet University. And uh, we had really, really good teams, and our coach was kind of beyond that level. In fact, when he left there, he went to San Jose State and UCLA and was an assistant with the Packers and, and uh, in professional sports and had a 55-year coaching career, so <clears throat> kind of knew what he was doing. But his life began as an orphan in Chicago and then uh, into the Marines and then college. And so just the way I'm just, just tough. This is a tough guy. You know, this is back when we were all growing our hair really long. No, honest, I was growing my hair really long. <laughs> I thought about putting a picture up, but didn't yeah. And he had a brush cut, a marine haircut. He's just tough. And when he recruited me, he said, if you come play football for me, I'll love you. And I remember going, that's weird. And that's, that's just weird. Orphan in Chicago. This is not a godly man. But there was something about him. He knew how to care for people as tough as he was on the field. So I decided right there, I decided I'm playing for him. And it was a great experience. <clears throat> you come talk to me later, I'll tell you one story after another about Coach K. My freshman year, I don't know how this started. I don't know, but I started shoplifting. It was, it was just odd. This is, this is my pre-Jesus. That didn't come along until I was 24. And it was about for a year and a half. It was just crazy. You know, it wasn't like, well, I was hanging around with a bad crowd. No, for all my friends, I was the bad crowd. And it just just started happening. And I was at the school bookstore and got caught shoplifting. And this is just humiliating to tell you. I ran. And so I'm running back to my dorm. And the whole time I'm running, I'm thinking Coach K is going to kill me. That's all I can think of. This is a guy I respect. And, I, and it's like, this is not going to go well. That's all. I'm not even thinking about anybody at the school except him. Oh, I'm, and as I'm telling you this story, I'm getting sweaty palms like I'm reliving this moment. It was horrible. As soon as I got to my dorm room, the first thing I did, I got on the phone and I called him and I told him exactly what I did. He goes, get over here. Oh, okay. Got to the administrative, sports administrative building, walked up the second floor, and I got it. I turned the corner, I'm in this hallway, and this hallway is about 200 feet long, and his office is right at the end. You're looking right into his office, and when I turned that corner, he, he looked, poked his head out the door, and he's walking. He's walking, man. I'm talking, you talk about the green mile, dead man walking. Like, this is, this is not gonna go good. And we met halfway. And he put his arm around me. 
And he said, what are you trying to do? Be like me when I was a kid. Come here. Went in his office and he brokered a deal for me. And I heard him in the other room going, hey, he came to me first. And he made an arrangement that if I would go apologize, this time it would be wiped away. And he sat down at that desk and he said, but let me tell you something, you do that again. And he never finished that statement and he didn't have to. And that was the beginning of my end of the shoplifting career. Because when I confessed my sin, I found mercy. The fear of the Lord is our motive to align with him. And this morning, I know this is, this is a heavy word, and I, I felt it this week. In fact, I got up early this morning, and I was just reviewing my notes, and in the middle of it, God said, that whole page, out. I got something else for you. Last fall, God began speaking to me. That line that the angel told Zacharias, John the Baptist's father, before he was born, make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Understanding the fear of the Lord is how you make ready. And when I say the return of the Lord, I'm saying a move of the Spirit, the likes of which we have never seen in this country. What is about to come to us is going to change hearts, relationships, families, and great regions that welcome it. I give you this, this word in the absence of condemnation. Let's get ready. Let's get ready. Let's get ready. Some of you may be wrestling with things you've never told anybody in your whole life. Find somebody. Let's, let's get this stuff out of our soul. Let's jettison off this stuff. Let's get rid of the besetting sins. Is it painful? Yes, it's painful. But the option isn't any more easy. Let's do this and get ourselves prepared for him so that he can come in great power and we can see the influx of new believers, babies that have to be taken care of. Who wants to change spiritual diapers? Nobody. We've got to do this. Let's get ourselves ready. We're going to sing, he's a good, good father. He is a good father. He's the one that we're to fear. I feared my dad, but I never feared that he was going to hurt me. What I feared was the consequences if I didn't obey. That's what I want you to think about as we sing.